Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 396, I am welcoming to the show Kimberly Galindo. It may be enlightening to go, oh, there is a pattern um, that only I can speak to. And so I posture is like, all I've got is me, my thoughts, my feelings, my perspective, my needs, my request. And what a beautiful way of differentiating and honoring yourself, which I think is very sacred and very holy. You're an image bearer too. Kimberly is a licensed professional counselor, supervisor. She's the owner of Aspen House Associates, which we've linked to in the show notes. She's a certified sex therapist, a EMDR certified therapist. She provides a variety of leadership, coaching, and counseling services. Today, I've invited her to the show to help share something I've heard her teach on before, which is related to communicating with others, holding on to self, and we reference an episode you need to go listen to first on self-differentiation and staying connected with the important people in your life, whether that's a spouse or a parent or a child or a friend. And how do we practically communicate what is going on in us and stay connected with that other person? And I feel like she's really great at helping us narrow down a specific tool that feels a little clunky and awkward at first, but I promise you it's going to serve you well. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Kimberly, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to hang out with you and all your listeners today. And on an ice day, I can't call it on snow. An ice day. It's not snow. I know. It's yeah, not I know. snow day. Um, it's not. We, we've moved mountains, we have children entertained, and we get to chat. So thank you for doing all yes. that to be with my people here. Um, so Kimberly and I met through mutual friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. she came to our life team, which I've mentioned before, but if you haven't heard, it's a group of people I get together with once a month. It's my four bonus dads, my two counselors. (laughs) (laughs) And you did a spouse's day where you came and just kind of gave us a little pump up on our marriage skills and talked about Mm -hmm. trust and line of intimacy and I statement and I posture. And I was like, I need to have Kimberly come on the show and share some of this goodness with my peeps. So thank you for saying yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Some of my favorite stuff to talk about. And because I think it's seemingly so simple, but it's some of the hardest stuff to do um, in all relationships. So, and one of our mutual friends is Nancy Houston, who's been on the podcast before she has talked about self-differentiation and I'm going to tell you, if you're listening and you have not heard that episode, I'm going to tell you to pause and go do a little Google search, do a don't mom alone, self-differentiation, if you can spell it (laughs) or Nancy Houston and listen, because that kind of sets the foundation. Don't you think for this? I mean, you can give a little blip on what that is, but yeah, it's a huge absolutely. concept. If you've never heard of it, it's going to like, oh, wow, perspective shifting. So tell yeah, us. Yeah. And I think, um, yes, just go listen to Nancy, all above, copy paste. Um, but th- the idea of differentiation, I think some of it is just, it's it's a little itchy and uncomfortable because it's counterintuitive. 
Um, I think depending on what we were taught about relationships, meaning being differentiated from the, each other, the way I describe it is holding on to myself while being able to reach out and connect with the other. This idea that this kind of enmeshed, intertwined grip that we have around each other, whether it be our husbands or our kids, is actually not giving us connection. It's not giving us the other person in the way that our, our soul really longs for. And so the separateness, depending on your attachment story, which I've got my own, y'all, I get it. It feels scary to stand, hold on to me while I reach out for the other, but you actually get more in the relationship and feel more whole in it, more connected in it, but it does feel counterintuitive. And I just want to always want to validate that differentiation. Does it feel like it fits at first? Because it's, it's not what most of us were taught to do. We were taught a very kind of, I'll chase you down and then I'll hold on to you for dear life, or I'm not going to even pursue that because it's scary and I might not get what I need. And so I'm just going to avoid it altogether kinds of attachment. But, um, yeah, go listen to that for a deep dive on differentiation, but it's it's one of the bedrocks to kind of healthy relationship, whether it be your your spouse, your kids, work people, everyone really to be separate but connected is it's kind of the goal we're shooting for. And some people are like, "Wait, what? Wait, what? Separate and connected? I've never seen that modeled. I don't know what that's like." And it's huge when she recognized, especially with. Yes, we're talking about a little marriage skills today, but Mm -hmm. like you said, these work for parent-child relationships. And I think that that enmeshment happens because we're taught like care for and be everything for that child. And so to pull back and say, I can hold on to myself and still be in relationship with you is such a healthy gift to your child, but something that... I think when we think of good moms, it mm-hmm. I think the image that comes to a lot of people's minds is no, completely lose yourself. <laughs> like if you're all in on your kids and their happiness, and if they're not happy, you're not happy, that whole codependency stuff. Like, oh yeah. I think we're finally getting free of that idea, but I think so, because I think the biggest complaint I hear from from mama specifically is I want to get myself back. I want to find me. I, I've let go. Um, some version of that. Those are my words, but mm-hmm. some sentiment of where did I go? Yeah. Because I'm so lost in the relationship with my children or the day-to-day grind or my marriage and being for the other people um, that I don't see myself anymore. And and what I hear is we've let go of ourselves. So how do we hold on to us? And that's, that's this differentiation, but we, we, you know, um, in the therapy and coaching world throughout these big, like you said, most, yeah. most of the time I have to spell check myself when I type out differentiation. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you for yeah, spell check and you yeah. know, Siri and Google that fix us. So what we wanted, you and I wanted to talk about today was kind of what it practically, what does that look like? Break it down. Like if I were to hold on to me, check in with me, hold on to me and be in relationship with my spouse is kind of what we're primarily focusing on. But again, this works with your kids. A couple of tools that I like to teach are the communication script and within that talking about eye posture and eye language. And then something called the line of intimacy. And I think depending on 
most folks at some point have been exposed to kind of the I statements. I and um, the, our marriage therapist and coaches at our practice kind of teach it a little bit differently because, you know, I think some of the classic communication wheel, if you will, is like um, when you I feel um, that didn't feel differentiated enough for us because it sounds like, hey, so when I'm feeling this thing, it's your fault. Yeah. And so I don't, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like blaming other people, but giving them the power over our emotions. It's not yeah. ideal. And so um, if you and your guests are okay with it, I'll just kind of walk. Yeah, no, I would love that because it, I do. Yeah. When you presented it and you were like, I just don't like using you at all. I thought, oh, wow. Okay. This is good. This is a good practice for me because I do think the you do this and I feel was very accusatory, even in my posture. And we'll talk about posture in a second, but I think it mm-hmm. allows for that. And when you remove the you statements, you do yeah. have to check in with yourself and really decide to def- like define <laughs> clue in, which is mom's, I think we were very disconnected from mm-hmm. how is that impacting me? Whether it's your spouse, whether it's a friend, whether, whether it's a friend, I mean, this even works for friends. Oh, hundred percent. I want, I want, you know, dream therapist, coach dream. If the world could have anything, it would be that we would all use I statements and posture. Yeah. We do this even with our team when I'm leading our team, like, Hey, let's, let's stay in a self-referencing place. Yeah. Okay. So what does this look like? Yeah. So let's walk you through. So some of the caveats and structure and rules around it are that um, at least in the beginning, I tell folks, you can't use the word you, it's off limits. In fact, when I work with couples in my coaching or counseling practice, I will, I mean, I get pretty active in the room and go, no, stop, <laughs> stop, try again. Restate, uh, restate. Uh, yeah. Restate. Because if you just can put yourself in that place for a second and, and just, if you imagine hearing someone go, Heather, you, you said this thing and now I'm feeling, and you really did and didn't do, I mean, just in my body, I already feel defensive. I already feel like, oh, okay. Yep. mm -hmm. I'm going to start planning my argument and my defense and why I did what I did. I'm not in an open posture to hear what the other person has to say. Mm. And so if we can take you off the table and I will validate, it is the hardest step because we are so trained to be on the lookout for what the other person's doing and how it impacts us versus really checking in with, oh, something fired off for me. So we start with essentially the reflection statement. And that is, I, I don't want people to summarize. We are terrible at summary. Our filters are broken. They're they're a little bit messy. And we will summarize inaccurately and inevitably use the word you or some sort of posture that blames. Yeah. But you want to essentially, this is kind of locating where we are on the map. So you take a conversation, um, maybe it's dinner plans. And so just essentially let's locate where we are. I heard the words about dinner plans. I don't want to repeat back to my husband. You said, and then you said, and then you didn't, and then you did, right? Because then we're getting into accusatory stuff. But like, so he can orient to what's going on for me. I heard the phrase about dinner plans. So we want to locate. So what are we seeing? What did we hear? Or maybe we heard a word. I heard the word dinner and that they was at that moment that something fired off inside of us. And then the next statement is I feel, 
and we have to locate our emotions first. A little side tangent on emotions. Yes. We've done a couple episodes on that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Emotions are just embodied experience. Mm -hmm. They're just going to give us energy to do whatever they're meant to do. They are not bad and they are not good. Some of them are pleasant. Some of them are not. But essentially, we want to use a feeling statement. And I feel confused, sad, angry, whatever it might be. If you use a phrase that says, and I feel that, or I feel like, you are not in a feeling statement anymore. You are now getting into cognition. Mm. So if it's, I, I heard the I word dinner, like. and I feel that, then we're going to go into a thought. Hmm. So it's literally, I feel, I feel confused and disappointed. And then we get into the thinking statement. Hmm. So it gets into, and I'm thinking, here's what's going on in my mind. One of the phrases I like is in the story I'm telling myself, because that's the crux of this. And the story I'm telling myself is, I said something about dinner yesterday. Now I'm hearing questions. I speak and I'm not heard. That's the story I'm telling myself, hmm. right? And then I want, I would like the request statements going to come next. So we've kind of located our, where we are in the reflection statement. We've shared our feelings. We've shared our thought. And then we're going to get into the request statement. And this can be, again, depending on the issue, there may be a specific request. I, and I need some clarity. I, I thought reservations were made. So I'm confused and disappointed. <laughs> I need some clarity on, on what happened and where the breakdown is. Or sometimes it's, I just need you to know that. I just need you to know what I'm feeling. Sometimes there's not a request. Um, sometimes it's just a, a request for kind of just, maybe it's sort of almost a prayer or something to the, to the general like space. Like, and I just want to want us to get to a place where we can have more clarity around these types of plans. I just want us to work towards that or um, could just be a lot of things. Is that okay to say we and us? Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, ideally, like I was, yeah, I, ideally, I'd like it to be like, and I want to find a rhythm around dinner plans for mm -hmm. our family. And it could be some ours and things like that. Um, Cause sometimes it's, it's, you literally can't complete the sentence, but as much as you can, I still want you to fight for it. Can I say this and just say, I, you know, if you can, I think that's, that's what I'd want you to fight for. And then the idea is that you volley it back and forth between the other person and they go, Oh, okay. So I hear the question about dinner and I'm feeling shocked because I was thinking that reservations were not my responsibility. And so I would like to get some clarity as well. <laughs> you know, and then you you bat you volley it back and forth until you, you know, feel like there's there's resolve. And I I'm using kind of a benign example there, but essentially the goal is not sameness. Mm. The goal is not being in the same place. The goal is I want to understand where you are. I want to be understood. And so using the I statements, one, it's very diffusing. If someone says, hey, can I check in? So I heard or I saw that, you know, just locate it, the word, the behavior. Um, sometimes it's an expression, like I saw an expression. Hmm. I'm feeling nervous. 
I'm feeling anxious. I'm thinking to myself, I did something to put anger into the space and I need to defend something. And I would like to request just to check in and see where things are. Right. And so sometimes it's just the little things that fire off. And I think, especially for um, depending on personalities, but um, intuitive kind of feeling types, something feels off in the space. I think a lot of times we'll self forget, we'll self, we'll dismiss, we'll invalidate. And just what a way of differentiating and showing some self compassion and respect to go. Something just misfired. Mm. He doesn't have to think that it misfired. He might be okay. He's allowed to be okay and not confused. Yeah. And I can be in a different place. So that's the script. That's the, the kind of the model of communication. And, and the added layer, layer over the last kind of couple of years that you know, my business partner and I, as we've kind of worked on curriculum and developing marriage coaching programs and things like that, we're kind of like, there's a missing piece. And it's been over the last few years and, and it's the posture because there's a lot mm-hmm. of folks that I hear all the right words. <laughs> They're like, I worked through your four things and I said, and I'm I, like, yeah. And it's still not going well because it's slippery mm-hmm. and the posture is off, meaning it's a combination of language, but also the heart, the way your body is postured, literally, the relational stance in the relationship, the intention. And so, my posture, it's this more kind of internal experience. And so what we, what we say here is that I posture goes in believing the best. I'm going to believe the best that my, my feelings matter and the stories I tell myself matter and my requests matter. And I believe the best of my spouse and my marriage that we can do this. We can figure it out. Even if we're on the opposite pages. I love sharing this next sponsor with y'all because I have found it to be super effective in my own life, so much so that I just put in another order for more product because when I don't use it, I get acne flare-ups when I do, my skin stays clear and it's gentle. It's so effective and gentle and great and I love it because what it does is it gives balance to my skin's microbiome. I'd never heard that word till I use Glad Skin, but basically, all other skin brands and prescription medicines, they create an imbalance, but GladSkin uses MicroBalance, a revolutionary smart protein that restores the balance of good and bad bacteria on my skin so it can heal. It's also great for eczema. Um, my One of my sons has really bad eczema on uh, the backs of his hands from washing them so much, which is great, but also a problem. And I have been thankful that the eczema cream that GladSkin offers has been giving him relief because you all know if you have eczema, those flare-ups can be really painful and itchy. And for the adults, the GladSkin with microbalance is steroid-free. So it works without harsh ingredients. It's clinically proven to reduce your eczema symptoms. It's also gentle enough for babies ages three months and up and approved by the National Eczema Association. So start your journey to stronger and healthier skin today with Glad Skin, and they're offering my listeners 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com slash DMA. That's gladskin.com slash DMA for 15% off plus free shipping. Gladskin.com slash DMA. 
And even if like the history, you might be holding records. Yeah. Yeah. You know well, saying? and we, we kind of go in with, it's a, it's also believing the best is sometimes going, this is this present moment. Yep. And I'm going to yeah. believe that this present moment could be different. Yeah. And even if it's the same, I can still use the script and go, oh, I heard this and here's what I'm feeling. And here's a story I'm telling myself. And the story could be, I feel like I'm here a lot and I'm feeling stuck in that. And I'm thinking, I want to get out of it. Yeah. You know? And so it may be enlightening to go, oh, there is a pattern um, Mm -hmm. that only I can speak to. Yeah. And so I posture is like, all I've got is me, my thoughts, my feelings, my perspective, my needs, my request. And what a beautiful way of differentiating and honoring yourself, which I think is very sacred and very holy. You're an image bearer too. I think a lot of mamas start making sure that they're nurturing all the other image bearers around them, but they're not, they're not looking here. And what a way to go, hey, I get to believe the best about myself. And there's a lot of good here that doesn't have to be the same. And so that stance is is what matters too. And it's honoring self and the other person. And so when we have the technical skill without the posture, it, oftentimes how you know you're there is it feels incongruent. Like it doesn't match. It just feels off. Like something is not, like when you're the recipient of that, it's like, yeah, I hear your words, but everything else is telling me I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm feeling yeah. defensive, even though your language isn't attacking. It's, yeah. And so like, if we're using it with our kids, and we're still in this posture of like shame and you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It can feel like a demand or blame. Yeah. And so if there's defensiveness coming, sometimes it's like, okay, how's my posture? Cause again, all I can worry about is me. If I'm watching someone kind of get defensive now, that could be the story that they're telling themselves is that it's something I'm in the shame narrative that they hold. And I can't, I can't reach inside of them and do anything about that. Mm-hmm. And I think the question is, do I have eye language in a posture of believing the best? Am I making demands? Hmm. Am I blaming? Do they seem armored up? Do I feel armored up? Am I going in armored up with, I'm going to use my eye statements, but I'm not really going to show up. I'm not, I'm gonna, not fully here. Because this is vulnerable, mm-hmm. super vulnerable. I mean, the whole concept of marriage challenges is vulnerable, but when you go into that I statement, I posture, there should be a vulnerability feeling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, otherwise, you know, you're, you're kind of armored up. Absolutely. And Brene Brown describes vulnerability as an emotion. And it is, it's the emotion of risk. It's the emotion of showing up with no guarantee. And it feels itchy every single time. I don't care what relationship and what dynamic it is like vulnerability. I think sometimes they go, Oh, I'm feeling that I must be doing something wrong. And it's like, no, you're probably just in a very tender relational moment. Yeah. And that is scary. And depending on your history, there's probably some part of you inside of you going, don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So some good questions to ask yourself. Do I have both? Do I have the language and do I have the posture? Am I coming in with an agenda? For the conversation, mm-hmm. for outside of, 
Ooh, I'm firing off. I'm having some feelings and some thoughts, and I just want to convey those. I just want to share that and make the request that I need to make. That should be the only expectation. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm feeling. Here are my thoughts. Here's my request. Do I, am I using I language, but I have a rolling list of judgments about my spouse or kiddo? Oh, mm -hmm. this is what they always do. Watch. And then he's going to say this next. And then, oh, they think and they feel, oh, look. And you know what? He used the word, he used the word this, that, or the other. This is what that means. Mm -hmm. Is he's that going on on the inside? He's not taking ownership. He's deflecting all ownership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you were not of an eye posture. You're, yeah. you're using some skills and, and it, but again, what's firing off is, oh, this is a great opportunity to say, Hey, I saw, or I'm hearing, here's what I'm feeling and the story I'm telling myself. And I'd like to check in and he may go, yeah, I am deflecting because vulnerability is terrifying. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay. You know, you might be right. That's the, the fear of vulnerability. And you can really leave these conversations feeling so connected to your spouse and to your kiddos and not be in the same place, have the same feelings, have the same meaning, but gosh, be so known in that type of conversation and feel validation and connection. Even if you didn't get to full resolve, you know, decisions made. Well, and I think when I heard you speak on it, that, you know, we're going to talk about line of intimacy, but I think it was when you were talking about that picture of this line and I recognized how, where I was in orientation to the line for me and my spouse. And then I was like, okay, why is that? So I'm evaluating. And then I'm recognizing, oh, okay, I am seeing. And so then I had to, okay, how can I do this language to communicate my orientation to the line and I don't know if you want to explain outline of intimacy or me to give my example to connect the two concepts. Let me, let me give the kind of the description. And then, yeah, I think you can put some, yeah, kind some of examples, picture, some example. Cause I think that that always helps us when other folks will say, Hey, I'll go first. Here's an example for me. <laughs> Here's what happened. Well, yes. So again, this goes back to the differentiation, which is the ability to be really curious about your spouse and kind of what they're talking about. It's managing our own reactions. It's being really present. It's using those I statements and posture. But the line of intimacy is a word picture, essentially, that helps us kind of conceptualize both boundaries, which we need to have between each other. Boundaries are bad. They're good. They actually good boundaries. Help us Yes. They help us to play more and connect more when we know where the limits, where we end and the other begins. And this line exists between any two people, but the example that I'm kind of thinking through is, is spouses. Um, and so it's a great way to explore where we are in with each other in relationship. And so if you imagine a line between the two of you and it, it's the dotted line, which represents uh, two things at the same time. It represents the boundary between the two people. You know, each person has their own personality, defined personhood, opinions, preferences, physiology. I mean, just two different people. Sameness is not greatness, y'all. It's enmeshment. We don't want to do that. And um, it, the line is dotted because we also want to think about those boundary lines are not because they're not visible. It's not kind of this tangible. There's not a literal line between the two people that just kind of follows you wherever you are, kitchen, in the living room, that kind of thing. So again, it's where the other ends and I begin. 
um, which is the place at which we are different, but also the place at which we connect. And so if you can imagine, and I have um, a handout that um, Heather has seen. And so it's, you know, it's like two little stick figures and they're standing at this dotted line. Um, And the hoped for ideal place is that two people show up to the line on their side of the line with an open posture, using eye language and eye posture to say, hi, here I am. Here's what's going on for me. Yeah. I see you facing one another, not turned away, one another. not arms crossed, open posture. That's a language we use a lot in our process groups, but it kind of just means your body language even is communicating, but there isn't, yeah. like we said, a heart posture. There's just an openness that I'm going to be okay. Like I can show up in this conversation and not be defensive and not be attacking. And mm-hmm. I'm feeling wholeness and identity and worth. And I'm like, I'm, you know, these people you have interacted with people who you show up and you have coffee with, and they are ready to have a conversation without blaming or shaming, or, you know, not only talking about the latte, but moving past that into deeper waters. And so, yes, that open posture. Another sponsor that I've become hooked on and spending my own cash money on is HelloFresh. I now have it set to where we get four meals every week. I have it to four people, even though we have six people. And sometimes I will get some extra meat at the grocery store to add in, but that has worked for us. And we even have a little bit of leftovers that I can have for lunch the next day. What has been helpful is, again, if I'm busy and I can't cook, Bruce has figured out the rhythm of HelloFresh meals. There's usually some chopping. There's usually a sauce, usually cooking the meat. You're putting it all together. Sometimes there's time in the oven. But overall, it has saved us money at the grocery store, mental energy, and we've been able to have consistent family dinners, which is a high priority for us. If you want to check it out, you can pick and choose for meals that fit your lifestyle or your preferences. There's fit and wholesome, veggie, family-friendly. Even if you need a quick option, some of them are ready in 15 minutes or less, the fast and fresh meals. My boys this week loved the tostadas supremo with pork, the onion crunch chicken with mashed sweet potatoes and roasted broccoli. I think that it's been great for our family. If you want to check it out for yourself, go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA65, the numbers six and five. Use the code DMA65 for 65% off plus free shipping. So go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA65 and use that code DMA65 and you're going to find out why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Okay, where are my busy moms at? Everyone's raising their hand. Well, one thing that is hard to find time to do is finding clothes that fit just right and are your style. I told you all about my own process of finding my colors and learning my style. Well, one thing that also helps is using Stitch Fix because they have a style partner that's going to help you and learn about your tastes and collaborate with you on looks that you will love. All you have to do is answer a few questions about where you typically shop, what you like to wear, what you're going to be using it for, and your price range. With all of that and with all the sizes available, they're going to find the thing that fits perfectly for you. I've loved even buying my shoes through Stitch Fix or jeans. They have you covered with over a thousand brands and styles. You get to try it on at home. 
keep what you love, send back the rest. Shipping returns, exchanges are all free and there's no subscription. So when you just need a refresh in your wardrobe, I know spring is coming up, so maybe you do, you can set that stitch fix to come. And then you can also get regular seasonal fixes. If you have kids who are needing a little update, their Stitch Fix Kids is fantastic. I've used that for one of mine before who does not enjoy trying on clothes in a store. It just comes. I decide already when I look at the stuff what I think he'll like, what he won't. And I just say, hey, will you try on these couple of things? And that's how we have updated his wardrobe. Right now, Stitch Fix is offering my listeners $20 off their first fix at stitchfix.com forward slash DMA. That's stitchfix.com slash DMA for $20 off today. Stitchfix.com slash DMA. Yeah, and it's a place of honoring yourself and so like, okay, how, how am I at the line right now? And it's a great, it becomes a great tool to conceptualize where am I in relation to the line? And so like there, there's the kind of ideal place. Now, none of us stay in ideal places. So before people start, see all you Enneagram ones out there going, oh my gosh, I'm failing at relationships and, <laughs> and all of you kind of doer types out there. There are going to be times where we're, our spouse is at the line and we're not, we're not there at all. Yeah, I'm just not even there. He is standing there in open posture and I am hiding behind else. the chair. I'm hiding behind the chair, right? (laughs) Or I'm there, but I'm I'm looking down. My arms are crossed. uh, My back is turned. Um, I'm there for a second, but I run away. You know, I move away because a certain topic comes up. And so the question, where am I in relation to the line? I think this is a great check-in question for spouses. Where are we in relation to the line? Where, Where are you in relation to the line? And in fact, a lot of times the kind of role-playing that I'll do with couples is have them kind of sculpt themselves and the other. When you bring up this conversation, how would you sculpt? Are you at the line? Are you behind a tree somewhere? Are you curled up? Are you fist raised? Are you mad face? I mean, how are you at the line? It becomes, it also, it also softens the conversation too versus you know, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me is what sometimes people feel like when they're having hard conversations in marriage versus just like, Hey, let's just check in. Yeah. Where am I? And sometimes I think I'm at the line, but then my husband may go, well, actually I feel like you're at the line, but this is my experience. And again, if you can use that, that script, I see the line, I see us and I'm feeling, and I'm thinking, I see you, and this is where it's hard to, you know, not use the you, but I, I see you at the line, but I feel like your back is turned or I'm I'm not allowed to see your eyes or that kind of thing becomes a really sweet way to check in that feels a little more approachable and safe, still very tender, still very vulnerable, but a great example of all we can do is show up. We can't, ideally, you're not running over the line to go grab your spouse and make them stand there. I see this with a lot of women specifically, but men do it too, where they're chasing down and pulling spouse to the line and going, stand here, show up, look at me. Yeah. Can't demand vulnerability. We can't demand connection. In fact, if, if you do, then it's not really connection and vulnerability at all. And that's not very safe. And so am I running over the line to get my spouse? Am I running away? Are, we, are either one of us at the line? Just becomes a great 
list of questions to ask yourself when you think about, are we differentiated? How are we connecting? How are we kind of in this space together? And it does, we, we do have patterns. I feel like it goes back to that attachment style. Are you an anxiously attached where you are going across? Cause you're like, mm-hmm. I can feel they're moving away from the line. And so I better go grab them. And cause what if they walk away forever or you're avoidant and you're like, oh, nope, I've experienced that line before with my mom or my whatever, my dad, and it's absolutely not a safe place. And so hightail it. So I mm-hmm. think there are these patterns that we get into. I think what I recognize, and I'll give my example before we, I can't believe our time. What is happening? I know. I know. 30 so minutes already. What's happening? Um, so I was recognizing how I was away from the line. Like I could feel mm-hmm. that I was mm-hmm. turning away from the line and I saw that there was a pattern had come back up in our marriage, which is my husband's job, uh, his workload went up. So mm-hmm. I recognize, okay, I see workload increasing. Yep. I feel fear. Mm-hmm. And the story I'm telling myself is work will take precedence over me. Mm. And so I'm moving away from the line as a way to protect myself. And I think I need reassurance that Mm. this pattern is not a a repeating pattern. Like, Mm -hmm. anyway, it was just really good for me to clarify. I was like, why am I so far from the line? What is going on in me that I could tell I'm not pursuing or I'm not, my goal is, which normally my posture is to pursue connection but I could tell I wasn't. And mm-hmm. then I recognized, oh, this is what's happened in the past. So I'm doing this as a way to protect myself. And so to just be have neutral language to yeah. communicate that was so wow. helpful to mm-hmm. just put it out there. So I'm not, so as he's experiencing me and saying, wow, she's really far, or maybe not recognizing that I'm far from line, but like we can have that conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. And I could be myself and hold on to myself and still be connected. I don't know if that resonates with anyone listening, but that was my experience with all that Kimberly taught me. Yeah. It just puts some, it gives a a concept map and some structure for everything that can fire off. It's so easy to dismiss and be like, you know what? We'll be fine. I'll be fine. I don't know what it is. And just dismiss. You got to really kind of sweet way of knowing yourself and then being able to express to your husband. Here's what's going on. Here's what I think I'm needing, yeah. which is powerful. And then he has the ability to respond because he was at this yeah. training. And you could have your spouse listen to this episode and then you can use these tools. What other, do you have any tips with, I know with the eye language, we want to have an eye posture. Is there something they could practically do to practice this kind of, you know, like you said, it, it helps you evaluate, but like, what could they do? Is there like a, yeah, I think if you take the if you take this the script itself, and I'll have couples do this, I'll have them almost go through a communication boot camp, and I'll just say use it every day, and it, over benign stuff, not not charged stuff is a great way to start. So like just things that are like they're not a big deal, you know. You might on a scale of one to ten, they may be a two, and it may even just be a great way of practicing. Like ultimately, you know, it may be something even just fun, like. I heard the word tacos and I'm feeling happy. 
Because sorry, I'm telling myself is I've been craving tacos and you said tacos. So that's great. You know, and like, I mean, it can, I've and had I need to go get some. Yes. And I would like to request that we have tacos for dinner, you know, and like a couple of, like just to get into this very, it's awkward. I just want to validate that it's awkward and it's fumbly. And you will not realize how many times you use the word you. Yeah. And what it feels like. And so if you can take it and just begin to use it in ways that are, you know, seemingly everyday ways, then when you really do need it in conflict, um, that grid's there. And like literally, you know, pulling it out, you know, whether it's notes from this episode or, you know, I have folks pull up the handout and I'm like, literally read the script, like, look at this in front of you. And you're going to sound like you're an awkward middle schooler in a play going, I feel, yeah. I think it's going to feel so, so, but it's worth it. It's worth the paradigm shift in the counterintuitive way, because we're not taught this. It's the scarier thing, but the connection that you get is, gosh, it's so worth it. And you said you used it even today with your seven-year-old. What would that yeah. look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, she was, uh, she has a little sister who's two and we wanted to, um, blame little sister. And so I just used some of the words that she had said and said, Hey, I heard the words and I'm feeling confused and frustrated because I'm thinking to myself, sister's not to blame for this. And I'd like to request some clarity on, you know, help mommy understand what happened here. Um, and so I used that and we got there just fine because I didn't go. You can't blame your sister for this. You need to be responsible. You're seven. She's two. Come on. You know, which ultimately that seems like a natural. That seems like the natural script. That's what I, really what yeah. I was feeling in all transparency. But I was like, yeah. you know, I'm like, it, it really does work. Yeah. Right. Um, even even with our kiddos or, or gosh, the the people at work or church or friends or wherever. I mean, if you just try it, it's really powerful. It's it's amazing. Well, I love it. I want to connect people with all that you're doing. Where can they find you online? What is the best place? Okay. So I am, I'm on Instagram at the Kimberly Galindo. Galindo is G-A-L-I-N-D-O. Um, so the, the Kimberly Galindo, or you can find my practice aspenhouseassociates.com. We'll link to all that in the show notes. And so awesome. you have a local practice here in Dallas. I do. We are in Richardson. We also have a Fort Worth office. And then we have several folks that are online only. And we have New Jersey location. And we are about to announce a launch in Virginia as well. So look at that. We're all over. Yeah. That's great. And are you like everyone else and you're booked out and you have wait lists? Pretty common in kind of mental health and coaching practices right now. So I always tell folks like, hang on, get on waiting lists. We're in a mental health boom right now, which is good and bad. Folks are reaching out for help post kind of all these world events that we've been through, but wait lists are normal, but like reach out, please. We're here. Because people do go off the list. Like, yes, they, they do. treat yes, and they move, move on and yes, yes and get off for the sure. list. Yeah. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Well, Thank you, Kimberly. I'm so thankful to get to share this with everyone and connect them with you. So have a great day. Thank you. You too. Okay. I know we were using a lot of counselor speak and maybe words that were maybe unfamiliar. I hope that more than anything, this option, this communication tool, this way to think about your relationships has created a file folder 
that you can go back to, that you can revisit, that I know it's not going to be a one and done, you figured it all out. (laughs) Relationships are too complicated for that. And, you know, maybe it is one that you have your spouse or friend or a parent listen to and so that you can kind of ease your way into being less enmeshed and more um, differentiated. I am going to pray over us and pray over this process. And um, all of you, happy Valentine's Day if you're listening the week that this comes out. All right, Lord, I thank you that you do put us in communities and in relationships. And I pray, Lord, that as we navigate those, you will highlight to us what you're doing in our own hearts and minds and souls and so that we can communicate that well, that we can lean into our relationship with you and find our full contentment and value and worth in that relationship. And then we can go and we can connect and we can love the people around us well without losing all of who you made us to be, but to help guide and connect with those people in our lives. I pray for marriages represented by people who are listening. I pray for families represented. I pray for hard, broken marriages that are in a place that need your healing, Lord. I pray that you would come and supernaturally bring that healing. And I pray for all the things that you usually represented when we talk about marriages and relationships. And I just pray for your comfort, Lord, to come right in this moment that your love would overwhelm the person who's listening, that they would feel your intimate connection with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all are great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for always sharing. Thank you for your notes. I got some real sweet notes from last week's episode, how God just brought them at the right time for you as you were struggling with your kids. And I also want to remind you, I do have another book coming out in April. It's called Right Where You Belong, and I'm super thrilled to get to share with you. I got to start reading the audiobook, recording that, so that'll be available when the book comes out. You'll get to, if you like listening to books and not, you don't have the time or energy to read a physical book, that's going to be an option, and it was just great for me to read it and Even my audio engineer, he's like, this is great. He said, my sister, my mom, they're going to love this. And then even he was getting some things out of it and agreeing. So that was really encouraging to me. But if you are interested in getting a copy, it's wherever books are sold. Um, I know Baker Books, they usually have a discount even beyond Amazon, but it's definitely on Amazon. It's called Right Where You Belong by Heather McFadden. And uh, yeah, let's connect, whether it's via Instagram at don'tmomalone or my email, you can sign up at olaheather.com and you will get a little note from me every Tuesday with what I'm loving and just some thoughts and a link to this next week's episode. That's it. I'll see you back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, 
God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.